0: good morning morning. welcome it's good to be here with you Uh, I'm pastor Mindy and I have opportunity to share with you this morning as we turn to God's Word here in just a moment As Pastor Billy shared this morning, there are several things going on in the life of our church. Uh, He highlighted faith promise. Uh, That's simply an emphasis on missions, and we will have Dr. Carla Sundberg here with us. So you won't want to miss that time. Plan to join us for that. That's on the weekend of the 19th and the 20th. And plan to register for the breakfast that Saturday morning. You can stop by the missions table and register this morning. Uh, Also, as we head into the Christmas season, of course, we have Advent devotionals for you out there in the foyer, uh, so you can grab one of those. And uh, the ladies' Christmas tea is taking place, and they wanted me to remind you and let you know that we just have about 20 tickets or a few more uh, available. So if you'd still like to join us for that, uh, plan to stop by the table out there and purchase your tickets for that. Well, as we get started this morning, first off, uh, a question. How many of you, when you were younger, remember playing this game called telephone? and maybe it has other goes by other names, too, but it's the game where you sit all in a circle, and the first person says uh, a sentence, and they whisper it to the next person, and whisper it to the next person, and inevitably it changes, of course. And so by the end, the person at the beginning says the sentence, and the person at the end the, says the sentence, and it's totally and entirely different. And um, so you've all played this game. I think probably the modern-day version of this type of game is the idea of um, when you're texting, and you text, and it autocorrects a word, or, or three, or four, or five words. And before you have a chance to fix it, you hit Send. And I'm sure all of you have done this. And uh, sometimes it's a little embarrassing, or sometimes it's a lot embarrassing. And so the autocorrect fixes things for you. Uh, Or maybe you've done voice texting. Maybe, maybe, does anybody do voice texting? Some of you do voice texting. Somebody pointed at their husband. (laughs) So uh, some of you do voice texting, some people find it annoying, but have you ever done this? I've heard of a few people who have done this and I've done it one time. You're calling somebody and you get the voicemail and I don't like leaving a voicemail and I, I, I don't really like getting them either, but you leave the voicemail and all of a sudden you're voice texting and including the punctuation. Have you ever done that? Nobody wants to raise their hand. Anyway, I've done that once, and I've heard of others who've done it. So anyway, things can go wrong. We try all of these means and modes of communication, but sometimes things can go wrong. The, uh, the message isn't clear. Uh, the message can get mixed up or misinterpreted. And so the scripture that we're gonna look at today actually has a very specific message and a very clear message. It's not mixed up or misinterpreted or misunderstood. And in just a few moments, if you'd like, you can turn there. We're going to be in, in 1 John, the epistle of 1 John towards the end of the New Testament. We're going to be looking at 1 John, uh, chapter 1. Uh, so like I was saying, uh, John, as he writes this, gives a very clear message. And he wants them to know and to understand what he's saying. And it's not, it's not mixed up or uh, he doesn't want it to be, to be misheard or misinterpreted. And he gives these very clear instructions here in 1 John, chapter 1. Uh, so just lately, Pastor Mark has been looking at some other uh, ad- adjacent uh, letters, and we've been looking at some of these other uh, epistles here in the New Testament, and we've looked a little bit at the pa- uh, the, what's called the pastorals, uh, Timothy, First and Second Timothy, and First and Second Thessalonians, and so I wanted to jump over to another of these epistles, and so we're going to look this morning at 1 John chapter 1, we'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 10 in just a moment. But I think one thing that all of these epistles or all of these letters have in common is that they all give some very real and very practical uh, instructions. In all of the cases, generally, they were writing, uh, a specific person was writing to a church or a group of people, and um, they were just trying to convey instructions, instructions for how to live, how to live in relationship, how to live in the church, uh, how to live with one another. And so they give us some real practical instructions. And I think that this will be the case today as we look at First John. So I would invite you to stand uh, for the reading of God's word. I'll be reading from 1 John verses 1, 1 through 10. And I'm reading this morning in the New Living Translation. It reads like this. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is the life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He is the father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually, what we have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So we So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but we have But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together... You may be seated. Well, anytime that I look at a new passage of scripture or or study a new book of the Bible, uh, I like to stop and do a little bit of background and look at, at what the book is talking about and a little bit of background and a little bit of foundation for the book. So I thought I'd share a little bit of that with you. So this is uh, the epistle of 1 John and it is written by John himself and he was an apostle and he was known by a little bit of his nickname uh, and what he's referred to is the beloved disciple. Uh, We find that over in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John references him as the beloved disciple. So uh, it was someone that was uh, close to Jesus and Jesus treasured that relationship. Uh, So he's referred to as the beloved disciple. So John wrote several Uh, Books He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote uh, all three of these epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then he also wrote Revelation. And so as you look at epistles and as you look at letters, sometimes it's helpful to look at the context. And all of these usually are written by a person and to a specific uh, area or community or a specific church. Uh, for instance, like um, the book of Corinthians is written to the church in Corinth. Uh, the book of Ephesians is written to the church in Ephesus. The book, in, uh, the book of uh, Philippians is written to the church of Philippi. So they were all written, and then they would get up on, uh, on a gathering in a, in a church setting, and they would read this letter that came from someone to this church. But some of the letters were also circulated in other towns and in other churches and surrounding villages. And John's letter is probably one of those. It's referred to as uh, a general letter. So it wasn't written specifically just to one church, but it was written generally, uh, probably broadly to an area of people, an area of believers. And so they kind of had like a a circuit that they would take it around to each town and read it in each of those gatherings in each of those uh, settings as they gathered together uh, for worship. And so John is one of those. It's, it's a general letter, and so it has really a lot of uh, wonderful uh, insights for the believers then and for us, for the believers now. And so what's the purpose? What's the purpose of John's writing? Uh, actually, it's stated several times within the lever, uh, within the letter. It's stated uh, three different places. Uh, John gives the purpose for his writing. He says in John 1:4, uh, or first John 1:4, he says, "I write these things to you so that your joy may be full." And then on down in First uh, John uh, 2, 1, he says, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. And so he's writing to them about some of the foundations of Christianity. He says, I want you to know these things so that your joy can be full, so that you can have joy, so that you may not sin. And then on down in 5.13, he says, I write these things to you so that you may have eternal life. And so he's giving them plainly these reasons and spelling out what the Christian life and what Christianity and the foundations of Christianity are all about. I want you to have uh, joy, uh, to know how to live a life without sin, and to be able to have eternal life. And so John's writing these instructions to them. And as we get started looking at this uh, specific passage, there are several reoccurring words or themes that he highlights several times. You see several words that are repeated. And so we're going to look at each of those. We're going to look at four of them, actually. Uh, If you're taking notes and want to jot that down, um, there's four that we'll look at. So the first one right there in the beginning in the verse one, he says, we proclaim to you. So the first one that we come across is this word proclaim. And it's in there a couple times. It's pretty clear that John has a specific message, and he wanted to convey this to them. He didn't want to whisper it, or he didn't want to have it muddled, or misunderstood, or misconstrued. He wanted to be—he uh, wanted to proclaim it, and he wanted to be clear with the message. Proclaim it loud and clear. Uh, we see it again in verse three. He says, "We proclaim to you." And then, as you continue on down in verse five, uh, he uses a little different word, but kind of the same emphasis. He says. Uh, this is the message that we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you. So he declares it, he, he's proclaiming it, he wants them to know, uh, and John is very adamant about, um, about this message. And all throughout the New Testament, they were conveying all of this, the, the new truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he wanted them to know and to understand that and to be able to proclaim it. And so they are here in the epistles as they're writing back and forth to one another, they're proclaiming it in words. And it's true that we can proclaim uh, the gospel message today in words as well. And he also wanted them to proclaim it in action, in, in their lives, in how they live their lives and in, in what they did. And so we can proclaim Jesus' love and the gospel message by our actions, by our lives and by our words. So the first one uh, is proclaim there. As we continue on in this passage, and really right at the beginning, there is uh, what you could really kind of uh, describe as eyewitness uh, account. Uh, John uses a bunch of words that he says. Um, uh, he says words like "I have seen," "I have heard," "We have touched," uh, "We have touched him." Uh, so, how many of you? Um, how many of you have seen a car accident? Some of you have maybe been in one, but maybe you've seen or witnessed a car accident. Sometimes they can be. Uh, tragic or horrific. I remember probably the first time that I saw a car accident. I was in high school and I was playing softball. I was on the softball field and there was my field and then there was two other fields and then there was a crossroads uh, down there. And so it was uh, side streets. And so they probably weren't going very fast but it was probably you know 20, 25, maybe 30. Um, But I remember I was playing the game, I was out on the softball field and I just remember hearing this loud crash uh, of metal on metal, and and I and it just dawned on me, I was like, oh, that's a car crash. I'd never heard that loud um, metal on metal sound, and so I looked over there and we saw the car crash. Thankfully, it was not a bad one, uh, but I just remember, it stands out in my mind um, uh, of that incident, the first time I saw that uh, a car crash uh, firsthand. Well, you know that if you witness uh, a car crash, they will often, if if the authorities come, the cops and the the ambulance and such, they will ask you to stick around and to give a witness, uh, to give a statement of what it is that you saw. And if you have two or three or four people standing around, you'll probably get two or three or four different viewpoints. Uh, But nevertheless, they want you to give a statement. Uh, It's your story, it's your viewpoint, it's uh, your story of firsthand what you saw. And so really John is describing some of that here. First hand he's saying, here's what we've seen, here's what we've heard, this is right before us. Uh, He uses words like this, Uh, he says, this is Jesus whom we have heard and seen, and we saw him with our own eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. So John is saying this is true, this is authentic, we saw him, we touched him, we talked to him, uh, we shook hands with him. Uh, We ate meals with him. His life really happened. This is what they've been, uh, this is what we've seen and what he is saying to them. This is Jesus. He was amongst us. Uh, The word of life in the flesh. And so really, uh, here in these verses, he's giving three of the different five senses. You you can see he said, uh, we have heard, we have seen, uh, and we have touched with our own hands. So he's referencing three of the different five senses, And so the second set of words that we see, several of these uh, congregated in here, are what I would call words of life. I think life itself is mentioned three different times, but he said we've heard, and we've seen, and we've understood. He was right before us, and we've witnessed uh, Jesus' life firsthand. At the end of verse one, it says, he is the word of life. This is the one Uh, who is life itself, Uh, he was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim that he is the one uh, who is eternal life. And so he's explaining to them, he wants them to be able to have life uh, and to be able to have life now and eternal life as well. So I think as we look at this, it's a good uh, reminder for us to ask the question, how are we living our life? Uh, are we living our life in a, in a way and in a manner that is full of life, that's life-giving, uh, in a manner that brings excitement and energy and life to those around us? Uh, or are we maybe more inward-focused uh, and uh, distracted at times? Are we living a life that people can see our own uh, life and the life of Jesus through us? He says there, uh, he talks a lot about Jesus being the word of life. So the third set of words that I want us to look at is uh, the, the third set that's repeated several times is the word fellowship. And this first portion of our scripture, these, uh, these first four verses, he talks a lot about these words fellowship. Uh, and in fact, he said that's one of the reasons that he's writing. He's writing so that they can have fellowship, so that they can have joy, uh, so that their joy may be complete. And so John and the others have had this fellowship and sharing with one another and having true fellowship. Uh, sharing with those who are in need in the community and the body of believers. And he says, I'm writing these things because I want you to have this same fellowship and joy. And so we'll come back to that word fellowship uh, in just a moment as well. But if we continue on then down in verse five, uh, verse five in this passage is a little bit of a turning point. And the whole second half of the chapter could really be summed up uh, with a statement kind of like this. If you can't walk the walk, then don't talk the talk. Basically, what he's saying is that you need to be real and authentic. If you say something, if you say, yes, I believe this, then your life also needs to, uh, to show that and to reflect that. I think we've all heard that type of phrase about walking the talk. What he's saying is your walk, what you are doing, your actions, needs to match your talk. In verse six, he says, if we have fellowship with God, but walk in darkness, we lie. We lie. As Christians, we say, what we say and what we do needs to line up. We claim to, if we claim to be a Christian and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we need to live that way as well. Well, in the next paragraph and the the fourth word that he uses several times is the word light. Uh, In the last paragraph there, or the last few paragraphs, he talks a lot about this idea of light. He says God is light, uh, and he he uh, talks about this and illustrates this. Now, we're all familiar with light. Um, Thankfully, we have some more lights on in the sanctuary today. That's good, and that's exciting. We're all familiar with light and with electricity. Everyone has this in their homes, uh, in the society, in the culture that we live, you walk into a room and you flip on the light, and magic. (laughs) There's light. And so we're all familiar with light. Uh, And in fact, light reveals shadows. Uh, Shadows, of course, are dark places. Uh, Like for instance, if you have a a basement at your home, maybe you've lived in a house like this. I've lived in a, a few houses like this that have an unfinished basement. And if you go down there, um, maybe you go down uh, a set of stairs. Sometimes they're kind of rickety stairs. Sometimes they creak a little. And if you go down, if you have an unfinished basement like this, typically you have the single light bulb that's hanging in the middle with the string. So you pull the string, and it illuminates the room. And in these unfinished basements, we have all kinds of things down there that we like to avoid, Uh, things like Christmas decorations, suitcases, and camping gear, and Thanksgiving decorations, and old clothes that are too small, and these uh, file boxes with paper in them. So you have all kinds of things like this. And if you're anything like me, you usually put off or avoid going downstairs to dig for these things uh, until you absolutely have to. But when you're down there, you pull on this light and you go looking and there are, uh, so there's some light in the main area, but then there's also some shadows back in the corners and there's all the kinds of things that we like to avoid. Uh, there's uh, bugs and spiders and spider webs back in the shadows and back in the corners. All of these things that that we just like to not think about and avoid, of course. Well, in much the same way, the light of God floods into our lives, It's like, except it's much much lighter and brighter, of course, than one single light bulb, but God's light floods into our lives. And with his light, uh, it reveals anything in our life. It reveals shadows, uh, dark corners, uh, spider webs, areas that we really don't like in our lives, areas that we keep hiding. Uh, Maybe it's an area of our life that we hide from everyone, from our spouse or from our kids. But when the light of God shines, it reveals all of these shadows and any sin that we keep hiding. And God's light uh, calls us to live a life obedient to Him. He points out any sin in our lives. Uh, His light shines and illuminates this. It says in verses eight through eight, uh, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, uh, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So it's very clear and it's very straightforward. Uh, first of all, we've all sinned. We can't deny that. Uh, that's what John is saying here. And then there's this uh, this well-known passage there in verse 9. Maybe it's a passage that you've memorized. And the instructions are very clear. If we have sin in our lives or if we have something that God uh, has pointed out, we need to confess those sins. Uh, confess them to him and maybe confess them to others if need be. And he will forgive us our sins. Now, going back to this idea of both the ideas of light and fellowship, uh, as we talked a little bit about earlier, God is light and in him, there is no darkness. So we see these two uh, different groupings of words. It talks about fellowship and it talks about light. And I think if we look at both of these, uh, we can speak about the, I think they both speak about how we can live our lives, uh, both within the walls of the church and outside of the walls of the church. Uh, so the word fellowship informs what we are to do and the actions that we are to take within the walls of the church, uh, within uh, this area, within um, the community of uh, the community of believers. Um, so what we're to do is to have fellowship with one another, uh, to care for one another, to uh, meet real needs, tangible needs when we can. I, in fact, heard of a church this week. Uh, it's elsewhere in Washington, about three hours away. In this church, uh, they would put an, a need on Facebook. They, in fact, were helping a mom and three of her uh, small children move out of, uh, of a bad situation, of an abusive situation. And they said, we need some real uh, tangible uh, tangible needs. We need dressers and beds and a kitchen table. And so this church, this local church, had this opportunity to provide real and true and tangible fellowship. And I think that's what it's talking about. In fact, um, over in Acts, I think Pastor Billy alluded to this this morning, uh, but over in Acts, it talks about um, this idea of true fellowship. At the end of Acts 2, in verse uh, 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And it continues on, And so I like that passage in Acts. It's a very clear reminder of what fellowship really looks like uh, in a tangible way, taking care of one another. So within the church, uh, how we are to interact with others is through fellowship. And then outside of the walls of the church, what we are to do is to shine God's light. Outside of the walls of the church, that's what we need to do. Uh, For others in our life, we need to uh, show the light of Christ. So I think a good question as we think about this, as we go out from here uh, and as we live our lives, as we interact with other people, I think a good question is how effective is our light? Uh, When I think about this idea of light, I think back to a time in my life when uh, my kids were young, and one of the places where we pastored uh, prior to here, uh, both my husband and I co-pastored together at the Hood River Church uh, in Hood River, Oregon, and when we were there, there was the church, and it was a smaller church, and then a few doors down was the parsonage where we lived, and so every time we went to church, we usually walked, it was just a few doors down. And when it was the winter time, like it is now, and it was getting dark early, of course we would need uh, some type of light uh, and a flashlight or a headlamp or such. And in these years, our boys were tiny. They were infants and toddlers and and preschool age in those years. And so when we were going out of the door, uh, we'd often have one of them in a stroller and we'd take them along. And there was a, a basket with some flashlights and headlamps in it, and they would wanna choose one and pick one out. And so, of course, they always did this, and they usually, um, one of them always uh, made the choice to grab this one that was, could hardly be called a a flashlight at all in any sense. It was this light, it was about this long, and if you clicked it once, it it did shine forward this direction, but kind of faintly. And then also, the, the whole thing, the rest of the body of it, was just kind of a glorified glow stick, and it just glowed blue. And you know, I mean, you're not going to be able to see anything, but if you click it again, of course, it lights up as the blue glow stick, and so he loved this, of course, and it was for kids, so it had a string, and he would put it around his neck, or it'd be dangling down here, and, and, you know, kind of pointless, absolutely pointless and useless, uh, but we take several flashlights, and they always wanted to pick out one, and usually, inevitably, that one came with us uh, as we would walk uh, over to the church when it was dark and such, uh, but the one that he chose, he chose was very, uh Uh, pointless and useless. But I think that's a good reminder. I think about that, I think about um, how we can shine our light. What type of light are we shining? Uh, How effective is the light that you're shining? Uh, Is it pointed at the sky, or is it pointed over here, or is it dangling down at your side like my son would do? How effective is your light? So as we uh, wrap up things this morning, as we conclude, I want to challenge you uh, in two different ways. Uh, both within the church, uh, to live out a life of fellowship. And I would encourage you maybe uh, to look around, and maybe there's someone who you haven't seen in a while, and you want to give them a call or give them a text or send them a note this week, or maybe even just invite them over or out for coffee and hear how they're doing and hear how, uh, how their life is and have opportunity maybe to pray with them, uh, to practice some moments of real fellowship. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you to maybe think of of someone in the church body uh, to do that, to reach out to them this week and to provide some moments of fellowship, uh, true fellowship. And then outside of the walls of the church, how effective is your light? In a very practical way, what is one thing that you could do this week uh, for someone in your life? Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend or a family member, somebody that just needs to know Jesus' love. How could you shine God's light in in the life of one person this week, one situation or one relationship? So I want to challenge you with those two things, to think about this in the life of the church, in fellowship and shining your light outside of the church as well, outside of the walls of the church. As we close this morning, I think these are good reminders for all of us. Uh, 1 John encourages us to proclaim this message of Jesus loud and clear and to do so with love and with fellowship and by shining God's light to those around us. Uh, Let's pray this morning. Gracious God, we thank you for these moments. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence and to look at your word and to look at this message of... uh, Uh, this message in 1 John, and it's very clear. We need to have a message to proclaim and something to share with others, and we need to be able to um, have fellowship with one another within the walls of the church and to be able to shine the light that you have given us uh, to those around us as well. We thank you for this time, and as we continue in worship this morning, uh, we just want to bring glory and honor to you. We thank you for these things, and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.